Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. You've reached Voices of the Cannabis Wars, uh, Voices of War radio show, where we believe in our hearts. It is our mission to provide you with the news from the cannabis war right from the front lines. Um, this is an award-winning show, and this week we will be putting a, a focus on Antonio Bascara. Antonio has been in prison for 30, over 36 years now. He's an 81-year-old man. Um, we're going to be joined with his daughter, Aisha. Also, we're going to be talking to Sherry Sicard and Stephanie Landa. We'll also be talking with uh, Craig Cecil at about 8.30 and about 8.45. You please don't miss it. You join us with um, join us in our segment, Georgie's Corner. This is going to be his third segment, and we're going to have a um, – an interesting poem probably written by George for you all to hear. It's going to be amazing. George spent 33 years in prison. The other host of this show is Eugene Fisher. Eugene spent 25 years in prison for a plant out of a life sentence and got himself freed and is here with us and good friends with Aisha's dad, Antonio. He calls him Tonio so, or Tony. So uh, stay tuned. We have a huge show planned on you. In about four minutes, we're going to hear from his daughter. I want to thank all the volunteers especially Mitty Griffith, who uh, produces the show, Beck Nichols, who helps screen the calls. Um, she's not with us today, but she's with us a lot. And everybody who tunes in to listen, especially CCHI, who gives us this platform in order to do this radio show. So check out CCHI 2016. Um, Eugene, are you there? I'm here. Good morning, Christian. Good morning, listeners. Great to be Good with morning. you. I'm here in California. Yeah, I'm in the West Coast, the the land of the of of the of our plant. It's a beautiful place to be, and I'm happy to be with you today, and and especially happy that we're doing this program on Tony. Uh, really cool, and on long-term incarceration, uh, Christian. Eugene, this week um, for our listeners, I just want everybody to know that I am sitting in a trial for somebody by the name of Lance Glore out here in in Tacoma, Washington who followed our state laws. And what's crazy is that this is a federal case and he's facing 35 years to life. Um, Chad Latham was um, just released and given clemency from President Obama and is living in Tacoma. So while we've got a free prisoner right out of Tacoma, um, they're trying to replace him with Lance, it seems like. But um, I want to encourage everybody to show up to this trial if you are in the area um, Monday at 9:30. It's it's an amazing trial because the first time ever really they have allowed the state laws in the federal courtroom. And what's crazy is is that they haven't even proved that he violated any state laws. It's just that our state laws are federally illegal. And so they're using that to make a conviction. Um and it's just it's an amazing trial. Um Miggy, who is one of our voices of the cannabis war, has been out at the trial. Um and wrote an article, if everybody can check it out. It's coming soon at Toke Signals or Toke of the Town um, website um, that everybody can listen to to find out exactly what's going on. You know, all of his employees and his and his other bosses, they have taken deals to testify against him. And it's it's kind of crazy because they all did the same thing, except for the ones testifying against him have gotten deals so that they won't go to prison. So, um you know, it's it's a kind of a crazy situation, and I just want everybody who is available to show up, help represent our caregivers. This is a time in America where we can refuse to convict. 
we believe the law is bad, we don't believe in the law, we can say not guilty. And this is the time for us all to stand up against these Schedule One federal laws and say that nobody should go to jail for a plant and refuse to give the feds what they want, and that's their convictions. And once we stop doing that, we won't have anybody going to jail for a plant, and the work could be over. So let's use this time um, tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, probably Wednesday morning as well, um, to get in that courtroom and help end the misery for the whole entire world. So check it out, Eugene. That's what I've been up to all week. I know you're down in California from Florida, so um, I hope you – it sounds like you've been enjoying yourself. Um, yes, I, I, I attended the edible conference that was down here the other night and with a lot of kindred souls there. And, uh, it's, it's, it's nice. I feel freedom in so many ways out here on the coast because of the, the, the different laws are, that, that aren't there all the way because until the feds change, we still have illegal illegality involved but it's so much better than where I am in Florida. So, yeah, it's it's cool being here, and uh, and, I, and and I enjoy the people, the West Coast people. Uh, right. Yeah. That, well, but, if you guys, I'm looking uh, forward to this, this session, especially because we're talking about Tony, who's done a hell yeah. of a lot of time in jail. His, his family and him have been incarcerated much, much too long. Period. And long-term incarceration is part of our theme, and I. When we get a second, I'll talk. I'll give you my my views on that too. So, um, uh, well, you, but listen to Kristen have. about the trial. It's important that we that we step up, step to the plate on all of these things. Anytime there's a little crack in the mosaic in our favor, we have to jump in, widen that crack, make it beneficial to the cause. You know, it's important. Well, Eugene. Um, I'm hoping that we have some time at the end of the show. We can get Miggy on, who also attended the trial, so we can talk about it a little bit more in depth. Um, but right now, we have Aisha on the line, and this is Antonio Basquero's daughter. Now, for our listeners, Antonio Basquero is 81 years old and has been in prison for 36 years. Um, there's some good news about his clemency. He's actually been accepted. So the president can pardon him any time and grant him clemency so he can be home with his daughter. Um, in fact, we're going to bring his daughter on the phone right now to talk about that a little bit. Good morning, Aisha. Hi, good morning, Kristen. Good morning, Eugene. Good morning, Thanks, Aisha. Good, morning. good to talk to you. <laughs> Thank Good morning, everybody else, too. Thank you for having good me. Good morning. We love to have you, especially because your, your, do- your father is such a hero to us. Um, I commend him like for standing so long for this plant in prison behind bars um, for 36 years. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long, long ride. Mm-hmm. You know, Aisha, I was I made the comment a moment ago. Your father's done all this time behind, you know, in, incarcerated, but so has his family. You know, that's what America must understand. When you do Absolutely. these incarcerations, you guys Absolutely. are doing it with them there step by step. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. You know, and and I think uh, um, what's really hard for us, you know, um, and as Christine mentioned, you know, he's been um, in jail for 36 years. Uh, April's going to be 37. And um, 
the last time I saw him in freedom, I was 12 years old, 12. I didn't know wow. what was happening. I didn't, as a matter of fact, we were not told for several years what happened to him or where he was. And so all we knew is that all of a sudden he disappeared and he was no longer with us. Obviously, I guess they were trying to protect us as his children, but as you can imagine, the impact on, on us, uh, we were, it was three of us. I have an older sister and a younger brother. And, um, and you know, for us, that has has been our life. That's you know, that's just the way it is. And you know, when when uh, people you know ask me about my dad, I say, you know, I I lost him to a fate worse than death, uh, because I think that it is worse when you know that your father is around, but that you are not able to see him. You're not able to be with him. Um, I think it's harder when when you know he's so close and yet so far. And um, it is something, you know, yeah, we have had a sentence for 36 years. And and that's the way our life has been. And I guess that's, we don't know any other way. For me, having him come out, you know, one day and being able to have a meal around a table is is, is one of those dreams that, that you have that people take for granted every day. And for us, it's one of those things that, you know, we just wish, you know, one day that can happen. And as he gets older and more time goes by, you know, it's it's um it's hard to to keep the hope alive, you know. And some, you know, we have a little bit of wins here and there that um that keeps us going, I guess. But um, but it's it's hard. It's 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 really hard. Um, I, you know, yeah, I'm when reading. You say that, when you huh. say that, I I I think of my own situation. You know, I was with your dad in Atlanta, and you know, it's. 20-some years, that's a lifetime for a lot of people since mm-hmm. I've seen him. And hes I did 25. My family did a 25-year sentence. You've done 36-year sentence. Mm-hmm. I, I repeat for the listeners listening, this lady we have on hasn't done anything wrong, but she's done a 36-year sentence because that's what happens when they put your father away. That's what mm-hmm. happened with my kids. Mm-hmm. And my Christmas just now was a blessing. You know, this is my third Christmas tree. And you're absolutely right. I was with my daughters, Aisha, and it was so, and I can imagine the emotions in my, my, that you would have being able to pass a holiday together free. Well, Eugene, I am reading, I'm reading the change.org petition, and this it says here this gentle grandfather of eight spends his days in a wheelchair, mostly by himself, reading newspapers and listening to the news in a cell at his federal prison south of Miami. He calls me two or three times a week to see how I'm doing and say it's in touch. I check on his health and we talk about plans for when he gets out, hoping that on the next Christmas, birthday, or summer, we can be together. And those chances of you guys being together are a little bit higher than the last time you came on the show because... Um, they've accepted his application for the clemency project. Is that is that right, Aisha? Well, um, they have taken the application, and we have actually been assigned a pro bono lawyer that has to submit the packet to the project. He has not done that yet. That's why, and I'm, I'm and I'm I'm hoping and dreaming that that's the reason why he was not on the list of ninety some people that were released. Um, um, uh, last month, uh, because he's he's 
uh, application has not been submitted yet for consideration by Obama. Um, but for us, the win is the fact that we even have a, a lawyer assigned. I mean, yeah. the application was submitted March of last year, um, and we heard nothing, nothing. We didn't know that we had a lawyer until December. Um Actually, he didn't get the 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 the, uh, the file until December, so at least we know that before we knew nothing. And so that the fact that we have a lawyer, I have his name. I have actually been in touch with him. Uh, he knows I'm here. We've been now giving him documentation, information to back up that 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 clemency request um, gives us hope. You know, he believes that we have a good case i i think it it should be a no brainer considering the cases of yeah. the people that have been released so far um you know a non violent uh marijuana only offense uh and conspiracy right um the same as so many other people that you know he was you know he was uh convicted on the hearsay of other people that were doing deals for themselves and so everybody that was you know the group that was involved. Everybody has been out for over 20 years. My father, mm-hmm. who was not even the leader of any kind, is the only one left, and the only reason is because he refused to cooperate. He just refused to cooperate oh. because of his military background and his a deep loyal uh, sense of loyalty and, and and honor, and he just refused to cooperate. And because of that, he's the only one left in prison for the last 20 years. Wow. You know, Aisha, when I listen to you, and I know a little bit of Tony's background, uh, I think of the following. One of the things we've been anti-communist is no longer, these are no longer popular themes because communism, as we knew it, is not around anymore. But those of us who are anti-communist and so on, and we're fighting the repression of, of, of communism, and yet here in our own society, in our own society, that we do such an inhumane thing as 37 years of incarceration, you know, it blows my mind. I can't, I can't reconcile that ever with my idea of freedom and a, and a, a free America. Yeah, you know, Eugene, and I don't know if you know this. Um, I have a Facebook page uh, for my dad, and the name of the Facebook page is "Free a Cuban Hero," and. Many people don't understand why I call him a human, a, a, a um, Cuban hero, and it's not because he's been in jail for you know for the plant. Uh, I know many people call him that, and and but the real reason is because of that communist comment that you mentioned. Uh, my dad was born in 1934 in Habana, Cuba, and he was. Uh, after he graduated from high school, he went to medical school for two years. But as he was going to become a doctor, he realized that his love for flying uh, was more powerful. And so he left a medical school to join uh, the Naval Air Force in Cuba uh, for Batista. Back and, and so by 1958, 24 years old, he was the youngest captain ever promoted in Cuba. And he loved it. He was one of the best pilots to this day. People know him uh, for his uh, flying skills. And um, given the circumstances, the time in which he was in the Naval Air Force, as you know, is when Castro was going through Cuba trying to expand and, and take over the country. And so he was one of the pilots that was fighting to stop him. 
um obviously where there were issues and and um in uh, some point in time uh he had to leave Cuba uh but he was actually one of the volunteers that worked with the CIA to uh prepare for the uh, invasion of the Bay of Pigs uh he among other pilot friends were training in Miami in Guatemala and in Nicaragua and so he was uh he was actually tra- training in Guatemala and he was part of the invasion to get rid of, of communism in Cuba. Um, wow. And um, so that's why I call him a Cuban hero, because he didn't have to do mm-hmm. that. I mean, but his commitment to freedom and uh, and being able to uh, have his country be free and and well is why he did that. And um, wow. that's why I call him a Cuban hero. And, and obviously because that that project failed uh is what he was he ended up having to leave Cuba and try to do a life for himself and as you know many of those Cubans struggled in life and and it's why he ended up doing what he ended up doing and um but in my in my in my heart and in my known and our family he is our hero and he should be many people's heroes because of what he tried to do for the Cuban people alongside the United States I, I want to emphasize something here, Aisha, if I could, if I could take the opportunity in defense of what you just said and your father. Um, my partner was Jose Castrezana, another, another Bear Pigs hero, and uh, he was he died as my partner of a heart attack. Uh, he was a pilot like your dad and a military background and so on. But I want to say this for our radio listeners, and I want to make this point emphatically. One of the problems becomes this. As your father was that hero, and as he wasn't backed by that invasion, one of the problems, this is historical now, this isn't me speaking, one of the problems was the CIA didn't follow through, the government of the United States didn't follow through with air support like they were supposed to right. in that invasion. Right. And all of a sudden, something that's sponsored by... in great part by this country is not doesn't go right and the so the heroes of that invasion become they don't want them their voices heard. The mm-hmm. same government doesn't want the voices voices heard. I don't know if you if, if the audience can will understand if I'm being uh, lucid enough, but what happens is all of a sudden they want that quiet. They don't want that they don't want a Tony Vascaro to be heard. They don't mm-hmm. want the people who have done that. How can Aisha? How you know, can and, people? Um, how can we make his voice louder? By I know we've done some things um, as far as getting letters signed for Antonio. Um, mm-hmm. What does? What can we do to help? Um, on top of that, is there anything that we can do? Um, call the White House. Call. You know the. I mean, what what can we do to make sure that President Obama frees him at the next round of, of pardons? You know, for, for us, yeah, for us right now, the focus is for this lawyer that he's been assigned. He is the key. You know how much work and commitment he has. I mean, the fact that he volunteered for this project tells me that he is committed, right? But how much he's committed to get through the process, get the paperwork, get it done, and get it in the hands of the people completed and submitted because I am sure that once that's submitted and completed, 
there is no reason why they could not have my father in the next list of people to be released. I just don't see how there's any other way. And so, well, let, me, let me make a comment there, if I could, to you. From my experience, from our experience in Bow, the fact that the attorney was appointed points is favorable. Now it's in the system to have something happen. Okay, the bureaucratic wheels are turning in the right direction. Okay, that's one. But the other thing I share is this: you're the, his voice. And we can be part of that voice, and all the advocacy groups can be part of that voice. That gets into the karma. You know, those signs held up, and there are signs being held up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If one person sees that, it's in the, it becomes part of this com- karmic thing, which I believe so much in. And it's part of, it's, it's on the way to release. It's on the way to, he's on the way to release every time that happens. And if the petition is done, Letters are done, and they're sent to the attorney or they're sent to the pardon attorney and so on. If if one or two of those gets through and becomes part of the record, that's part of the success of the thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, 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 how, I, mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I believe that. That's why, I mean, in you know, for, for so many years we were so alone and so doing our own thing and focused on – you know, trying to do through the go through the legal normal legal process, which you know years ago we were you know we closed the last possible door. Um, as a matter of fact, there was actually there has been programs out there in which he would have normally qualified. There was a program for uh, the, the old um, I don't know what the name of it was, the old people program in which if you had served more than 75% of your uh, of your sentence, if you were over 70 years old, if you had a good record, et cetera, et cetera, then you would be able to be released. And the only reason my father did not qualify was because it only applied for anybody that had been in jail for since 1987. And he's mm-hmm. been in jail longer than that. So because he was too old and he'd been there too long, he didn't, didn't qualify. Now, I think that the reason they put that date in there is because they thought that maybe everybody else that be older than that were dead, because I don't understand why would that something like that apply for somebody that was younger than him. It just didn't make any sense, and so and so because of that, you know, we all our legal recourses are done. The only hope that we have left is this clemency, and and so I for the first time I actually reached to the social media last year, um, and actually it was a year ago. Um, December of, of um, 14, and I reached out to one person, uh, Dennis Koshan, because I, I saw, my father actually saw an article that he wrote somewhere, and he said, talk to him, call him, maybe he can help, and and that's how I started working through social media. It, it never ever dawned on me that people would support, you know, my, my, my cause and my dad's case. I, it just never even... You know, and it never even dawned on me that anybody else would care, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I never did research in that regards. Our research was always in the legal side with lawyers and, you know. And so when I started reaching out to that one person and he said, he he, he wouldn't even respond when I first called him because he couldn't believe that my my dad's case was true. Because apparently, I mean, as I learned now, there's a huge movement of people, you know, um, that are supportive of you know these cases and and the plant and and how horrible it is what they have these people go through, 
And so he checked it out. He said that he thought he knew anybody and everybody that had been in jail for for marijuana nonviolent offenses, and he couldn't believe it. And then he actually got in touch back with me and tell me, do you know that your father is the longest-serving marijuana prisoner? And I'm like, in the history of the United States ever, living or alive, living mm-hmm. or dead? And I'm like, I have no idea. I said, no, I have no idea. He's like, he's in shock. He said, how is it that we don't know about him? I said, he's forgotten. He's been thrown away and forgotten. And I don't know, I just never reached out to the social media. And so now since then, it's a year, and I am humbled and 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 just amazed of how much support we have received. And because of that, we learn about the Clemency Project. Because of that, we learn about um, change.org and the petitions, and we have over 100,000 signatures in there. Uh, through that, we learn, you know, we're obviously Kristen, you know, and your organization and your support and, and Sherry's card and the um, Family Against Mandatory Minimums and all that other things that I just – didn't know because, of course, I have lived my life, just, you know, worked and have a career, have a family, and just, mm-hmm. you know, done whatever we can on the pockets of our lives. And so it's been a year now, and the response is, is, is wonderful. And as a result, mm-hmm. you know, within a year, my my father has a pro bono lawyer from the Clemency Project that has his file that is actually working on it and will submit it to be considered for for release. And so... Uh, as you say, Eugene, yeah, all that you're right. I mean, all this I wouldn't believe that it would be that it would be possible a year and a half ago. Didn't even it wasn't even existing. Who knows how many other people are out there that are like me, and and don't even know who to who to reach out to. And so, so hopefully right. with all these Facebook pages and and all this sharing and all this um, promotion of that um, my dad's case and other people's cases. Uh, more people will know and 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 support it. As far as my dad, I think that uh, you know is is in the, this lawyer's hands for him to complete the application and submit it. And and um, and of course, the more than we can have if people sign the petition because that's part of his uh, package. Um, and um, and let I mean anything I will accept and be grateful for anything and anybody. Where? That, We'll Where help. can we sign the petition? Is it the same petition yeah. um, that's been going around that you've already got over a hundred thousand yes. signatures on? Yes. It says um, petition closed. I try to I try to share it yesterday, and it says the petition is closed. Oh no! That see that's the that the one that is closed is the one that is on the White House uh, website. I learned about that also um, middle of last year. I had I started the change.org petition and it created it had amazing support but then I learned that um the White House has their own petition format um and if in that promises that if it reaches 100,000 signatures that um the Obama petition promises or commits that they will look at the petition and consider it but um we, I was not able to get out oh, but they give you only 3 months to get there Okay, so if you're not okay. there within 90 days, they they close it, and so what? yeah, we were not able to get to the 100,000 signatures within the 30 days, and so they oh. closed it. Yeah, and okay. so yeah, so that's why that one is no longer active. The one that is is still active and remains active is the one on change.org. Um, okay. And so that's still there. We have uh, over 107,000 uh, signatures. 
you know, and and counting. And so that's the one that I keep promoting on my dad's Facebook page and and on any other article that comes up. Okay. Um, but the White House one is closed, and I figured, you know, reopening it to try it again, it just didn't make any sense. And I don't know why they have that limit. Why do you have to reach the ninety, you know, the hundred thousand signatures in thirty in ninety days? I don't well, understand it. If it's but ever reopened. Uh, maybe we can get a, a, a team of people to make sure we get out there and promote it every day. You know, if, if you ever do. Yeah, let's promote the one that's open because, now. Uh, I should well, have, have people accept Craig, that. Hold on. Eugene, we've got Craig Cecil calling in from prison. Um, so if you guys just want to hold on, um, I'm going to join him into our call. We'll be back with you, Aisha, in a, in a moment, okay? Okay. Okay. okay we're going to bring on Craig Cecil. Uh, my co-host is bringing him on right now. Christian, Christian is bringing him on. Greg Cecil, as you know, is serving a life sentence for marijuana on pure conspiracy basis, and uh, he's a regular on our program. Wonderful voice from behind the bars. He'll be on. Morning, Craig. How are you? I'm well. I'm well, as as well as can be expected. It's probably better said. Cool. Cool. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Craig. <laughs> Good morning, Gene. Here we are at Terra Hut. <laughs> give us give us a breakdown. Um, how's how's things in Terra Hut this morning? How's the weather? How is Terra Hut? Well, it's it's warm here. It's well, compared to my measure, I think it's in the mid twenties. And right now I'm looking out the window and there's flurries. Wow. Um here the the population is kinda of depressed right now. For at least the next couple of weeks, they've decided not to serve us supper. Oh, still? What they did. Yes. Oh, the, my uh, God. Many of the officers have to go every year for a recurrent training lesson or whatever. And what the wardens decided to do is to send them all to go for it during the month of January. So what they've done is they've left the institution sorely under understaffed. So they don't have enough staff to to cook and serve a supper. So instead what they do is we get one bologna sandwich in a brown paper bag in addition to our lunch. There's also an apple and uh, a little Rice Krispie bar. And uh, they say that's that's instead of supper, and you'll get that for the next two or three weeks. (laughs) The inmate population is not too happy for our lack of supper. (laughs) I wonder if it's like that at all the prisons. Um, We've got... We've been talking with Aisha Basquero. Her father's been in prison. He's 81, and he's been in prison for over 36 years. And he has been just accepted through the clemency project for so that the president can free him. Hopefully that will happen. Fantastic. Hi, Craig. Yes. Hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning, I, I, know, I don't know your... I don't know your father personally, but I know of him and his case. And and I can tell you one thing is everybody where, you know, in the context where his name has ever come up, everybody has always spoke very well of him. So I know I'd like him. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, his, his it's amazing. It's a travesty. It's amazing how many it people so that have been. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm Go ahead, just Craig. It's just such a travesty. What is it? Since 1981 that he's been incarcerated, if I'm right, or thereabouts? Nin- 1980. 80. Oh my God. That's in- that is insane. Do 
you realize yeah. if he was a murderer, he, he would have been home years ago? Yeah. Because in 1980, he would have had a, a parolable life sentence, meaning he was eligible for parole at, at 10 years. And he most likely would have been released before he had been incarcerated for 30 years. So he would have been home long ago if he murdered somebody. Aww. Now, how, mm-hmm. how can this be? He's in prison for a marijuana charge. Yeah, and they actually <laughs> added sadly, without the possibility of parole. That's part of the sentence. Yes. They did that to me, too. I mean, it's insane. There's, there's those of us who had that. We were all law prisoners, and they said that. I'd just like to say this, Greg, uh, for you and Asia, for your father. Shame on America. Shame on America. That's the thing. And I want our listeners to hear that message. Shame on America. Shame on us. Everyone is part of this country for permitting that. Well, you guys, I want to make this point. Um, I see we have Aisha on the phone. Whose father? She hasn't got had to, hasn't been able to know her father since we have, since she was twelve, and we have Craig Cecil who is in his thirteenth year of his life sentence, and Craig hasn't been able to know his daughter for the last thirteen years because he's been incarcerated. He's got they've got to know them but not spend no time with them, and I just want I just want America to know what these two people are are missing out on. I had my dad up until a couple of years ago when they, they killed him in federal custody for our plant. But um, a, a, a father-daughter relationship is so special and so so instrumental in a girl's life that I am very, very compelled to make sure that at least um, these prisoners get to have an effect on their daughter's life sometime in the future. So I just, I just think that you guys both deserve your father and your daughter and... I, I am really torn that they are separating families like that um, still in 2016. And the sad part is they're continuing to do it. They're still yeah. doing it every day. Yeah. Right. And and if there's going to be any rescue for, for Tony, for me, it's going to come through the efforts of, uh, of Kristen and Jean and so many that are shining a light on, hey, there's people doing life for pot. And here, pot's legal. People walk around smoking pot at public events. <laughs> you know, yeah. and there's people serving life for that. And especially in Mr. Biscaro's place, I mean, how easy is it to put out there that, you know, had he committed murder, he would have been home years ago. My celly at DCU Atlanta uh, had a 400-year sentence he got in 1977. They apparently walked in the banks, shot and killed everybody in the bank, and took the money and left. And they did that in several banks. He was paroled <laughs> um, in 2007. Wow. I mean, and how can you compare what Mr. Biscaro did compared to the bank robber? You can't. There's no, you never hurt anybody. No, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make any sense. You you're like and and when and when you add on top of that without the possibility of parole, so that means that you can never speak with any group of your peers and, and ask for the possibility to that you are, you know, a changed person or that you are better now or that you know, whatever, to be able to be free. You don't even have that chance. It, it's, I you know, coming from somebody that has to be prison. 
coming from somebody that this has been my life and the life of my family and my sister and my brother, I don't understand it. It's it's you know, I love the United States. I mean, this is like the best country in the world despite of everything that's going on. And yet there are things like this that I just don't I can't comprehend and I would never know the impact that I had in my life. I know it had an impact. I know that there is there is uh, uh, you know certain ways in which I've been affected by this because as you said, Christine, the relationship between a daughter and a father. I mean, he was the first man that I knew, right? He was the sample of of life to be, and um, because of that, I know that I was affected by all that, it, and not even considering the fact that I didn't have him around to guide and support me and and uh, and, and to be there, um, support our family, any of that. Um, but I just don't understand, I mean, it, how this, the crime does not fit the punishment, you know? And um, and in the Constitution, it talks about no cruel and unusual punishment and how cruel and unusual this is, and yet it's it's, it's legal, it's allowed. It's, and that's why, for me, I, don't, I can't... Um, I can't coincide one with the other. It doesn't make any sense to me. And yet here we are fighting for whatever life my father has to be with us, right? He's he's going to be, in October of this year, he's going to be 82 years old. 82. Oh and, you know, and I don't know if he's going to make it to October of, 80, of this year. You know, and here we are fighting for, for whatever little time we have left, right? And... And yet, we're still fighting. So, we'll see. Yeah, this is an I, I want to say this just to for, for listeners, for, for listeners from a to the program. Prison. If it, to justify this in America is an atrocity, 81 going on 82 years old, nonviolent crime, no victim. 37 years, put those things together in your mind. Put those things together. Craig Cecil, not not even involved directly in doing on his 13th year on a forever sentence. That's what a life sentence without parole is, forever. How can that be? How can we in good conscience permit that? And as Kristen points out, the sentence was not only sentencing me, it was, for instance, sentencing my daughter, who was 14 at the time. At the time of my arrest, she was within days of her graduation from eighth grade, and she was so excited about having Dad there and the plans we had made for her graduation celebration. But Dad wasn't there. But Dad was in jail. And for her graduation from high school, for her, you know, all, for her learning to drive, we had already bought a car for her. And, uh, you know, these are all the things that uh, she was sentenced to, you know, by the judge, Judge O'Kelly, that sentenced me. And also my son. My son was left without the guidance of a father. He was left without a two-parent family. He was left without the financial and the just the, the fatherly support that a, that a son has and a son needs. And this was because of the sentence uh, by Judge O'Kelly. But nevertheless, had I been a rapist, had I been a rapist, my sentencing guideline would have been 33 to 41 months. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have missed their high school. Um, rest rest now, in peace to your son. Just want to throw that out there. 
love him. Uh, let's emphasize what, what Greg, Greg is saying, listeners. The sentences are for the whole family. The sentences are for the whole family. And the family does them. And believe me, there's something about it. Because I went through the same experience with a 10-year-old son, Aisha, when when they were sentencing his father to a life sentence without parole. He was like the kid, the kid like you were. It can't even realize the world that there's not going to see his father free again or her father free again. That's that's an atrocity. Listeners, do you do you hear that? They, the family, good people who've never done anything, the family suffers the same sentence. That was exactly yes. when I first told my daughter of it because my daughter wasn't at my sentencing, so I had to tell her by way of telephone. And what she remarked is that she had just passed her constitution test as a prerequisite to graduate eighth grade, and she says they can't give cruel and unusual sentences like that. Mm-hmm. That was her analysis as a 14-year-old. And if she knew that, you know, why doesn't the rest of America know that now? Because most of America doesn't know we're here and they don't believe we're here. And that's Greg, they I don't even the, know we don't have parole anymore. America believes there's still parole functioning. More than half of America believes that. They don't believe, there's no, uh, Aisha, they don't believe you, that your father could have been given a sentence that said, you can't be paroled out no matter how good you are every day you sit in prison. You can't be paroled out. Can anyone imagine an 81-year-old man who's done that amount of time in prison for a nonviolent offense in this country? Hey, can anyone imagine, of you listeners, I'm saying you got your indignation has to be overwhelming on this thing. This is an atrocity. Yeah, you know, it's funny because sometimes when I put that information on different blogs or, you know, or uh, social media venues, you know, the immediate response is that's not possible. What else did he do? You know, that cannot be right. You know, like people really are in, in disbelief that somebody that didn't hurt anybody, that was, you know, the offense was a conspiracy offense, which means that there wasn't really any evidence. It was just based on hearsay. And that, um, and that he was about marijuana. That they cannot believe that he could be sentenced for that type of sentence with no parole. They just can't. That's the first reaction I get mostly from people that are not familiar with the legal system. There's no way. What else did he do, right? And um, and and so I said, look, look it up. It's all on the on the internet. Just put his name down, and you'll see everything that you need to see. And 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 that's it. And so it's 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 amazing, but you're right, uh, Eugene. People just don't realize that that's the way it is. You probably experience the same as my daughter that she says whenever she tells somebody of where I'm at, the first words out of their mouth is always, "Who did he?" <laughs> but as you heard, that's that's the second beep. So I just want to thank everybody for for shining the light on us. If that if there's change coming for us, it's going to be behind the light that you guys are shining for us in here. And uh, congratulations on him moving forward through the Clemency Project, and 
hopefully there'll be relief there for for him and for a whole lot of us. But have a great week, everybody. Thank you, thank you, Craig. Thank you, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you very thank much, you, Craig. All right, listeners, that was Craig Cecil serving a life sentences for a life sentence for marijuana as he sits here and advocates for other prisoners. Um, he also advocates for himself. Um, you can hear more from Craig more about Craig Cecil on his website at Free Craig Cecil. That's F R E E E R A I G C E S A L dot com. Um, anytime you can. As we're waiting for our George Monterano segment, um, Eugene George has not called in anymore. Uh, or George has not called in yet, so that you know. Um, we're going to continue to talk to Aisha about her father. Now, Aisha, how is your dad doing? Let's let's get an update. Is he is he in good health? Is he spirit high? I mean, what? How's he doing in prison? And how are they treating uh, him now? Is he okay? Yeah, yeah. Physically, he's doing better. Um, last year, he had a, a significant uh, back operation. I mean, he he was suffering with so much pain that he was not able to walk, which is why he was uh, on on a wheelchair. And, you know, for somebody like him, that was so hard. And so um, even at almost 80 years old, he submitted to a back operation that in which um, he lost so much blood, he almost died. But thank God he didn't. So he's been recuperating since then. Um, he's, he actually is walking more with a walker than a wheelchair, um, trying to get around and get his legs and his strength back up. Uh, so overall health is 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 improving from where he was. Um, as far as he tells us, because as you can imagine, he doesn't tell us everything, right? Because one of the things right. that I know he's done, and probably most fathers do when they're in his situation, they try to protect their family, right? And so I don't yeah. know what he's not telling me. I don't know what's really happening. Yeah, I, should, and, and, I went through that. After my dad died, I found out all kinds of things that was going on from other inmates that was incarcerated with him. And, um, I mean, I knew a lot of it, but there's a few details there that would have killed me that my dad didn't share with me. So um, I understand that. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't really know how he really is. All I know is what he tells us, right, and and what I see when I visit him. And so so, um, so he seems to be doing better, which is a good thing. Uh, You know, one thing about my dad, and I was going to say earlier that anybody that has been with him in the situation that have gone in and out because people have gone in and out, been there with him and leaving, I, you know, I hear nothing but, you know, amazing things about him, how he's helped other people deal with the situation um, while they're in there. Because my dad has always kept a positive demeanor and always – uh, been in touch with the outside and up to date in technology, and he knows things, and he he calls and tells us that's his that's his way of living in the outside and being able to interact with us is being as in as much in touch as of what's happening in the world and around as possible, so that he can then talk to us about it and and live in that reality, right? So so um so that's what's something that 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 he's done and continues to do. Um, and so that's that part's still there, which is wonderful because that that means that he has never has never lost hope, right? The day right. that I know that he doesn't do that is the day that I know that he's lost hope, and so hope hopefully that day will never happen. 
And so people that come out, they always come out and tell me, oh, he was like a dad to me, and he get, he did all these good things for me, and um, you know, and he was always supportive, and he's known to to uh, for his food because he actually does food in there, you know, mm-hmm. and he tries to do things to try to live, you know, in the outside without being on the outside, um, which I think is the reason why he has kept so. Um, positive all you know all this time all these years and he reads a lot magazines and and newspapers and and he just keeps himself active and involved and 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 positive and so that's still there at 81 years old um that's still there you know and he has a better memory than i do you know it's 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 amazing let me me say this asia if i could Mm -hmm. i want to i want to just make this pitch uh, Georgie Monterano, another long-term car- incarcerated prisoner, just got out. Uh, I want to paint this picture for the listeners. Uh, his his daughter. I'm, I'm painting this because of you, Aisha. He was in there for 33 my daughters. years. His daughter was three. She just went to the beach with George. <laughs> just went to the beach as as an adult woman, almost 40. Listeners, do you hear I mean, that? Do you hear Eugene, that? Eugene, we have you know we have George I, on the phone right now on the line. Well, let's get Georgie on. Let's get Georgie on. Aisha, okay. this this here's another man, another valiant man in pri- who did all that time in prison. George, come on on. Hold on. Oh, hi everyone. Hi. hi everyone. Free at last. And uh, <laughs> what is what is your correct name? Alicia. Aisha. 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 Well, very pretty name, Aisha. Yes. So Thank you. I've been listening to you, and, you know, your words uh, are felt, are felt. Uh, I wrote a poem for your dad, and uh, I'll type it out, and uh, I'll give it to you. Gene, uh, Gene will give me a way to get it to you. Uh, you know, the words, uh, you know, from being in prison all that time, uh, I basically don't write uh, that much joyful so I write from uh, experience and from the heart. So if, uh, if you wish, I'll read this poem. You want me to read it? Yes, please. Please. Okay. The poem's called Tony's Song. The prison cells have went, have narrow windows to see, yet not for me. Oh, the prison bus, too. Its glass panes are there. Why look to see? The fear, the fear takes me. Yes, windows are for eyes and mind to joy, not for Tony, so languishing, so true. Never things of world gone are his dreams. My God, my God, oh, please and more, bring poor Tony home. For home there is love forevermore. I just wanted to share that with you. That's beautiful. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So uh, I know what you're going through, and it's not right because, uh, you know, they keep men languishing and women languishing. Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's three parts of justice. The justice, is justice itself, fairness, and the most important thing, mercy. We forgot the word mercy with justice in this country, and... Uh, and I know your dad's uh, he's at FCI Miami. Mhm. Yes. Well, you know, that's not that's not a place for any violent people. 
Just 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 that establishment alone, they should let them go home. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just not right, you know, because the cost it's, the, the cost is re- uh, an awful lot, probably with his medical needs. But uh, I'd like to ask you a legal question, Gene, if I may. Yes, George, go ahead. We, we, uh, this is your Alicia, has anybody has anybody done a Holloway letter to the judge? I don't know explain what that, explain I that is. Oh, you want me to explain that? Okay, yes. Yeah. A Holloway letter is basically because there is no way to get mercy, but it's a second circuit decision. That's how basically I got my case running again, and it's a Holloway letter. It's basically a letter that has to be written from your dad. Uh, it's not a motion. It's a letter, and uh, it asks for mercy, and it shows his circumstances and uh, his situation, and he has family, and it just basically talks about the years he's in, his health, and, you know, the stuff that he's been doing, you know, like you just said, helping others, and he's probably had programs, he's probably been in the classrooms. Now, yeah. uh, you can see the letter, you can see the Holloway case, uh, it's, it's under Judge Gleason, uh, G-L-E-E-S-O-N, Judge Gleason, G-L-E-E-S-O-N, out of New York, and uh, my attorney wrote a big letter on it in a legal magazine. So if you search uh, the Holloway case under Judge Gleason, and if you wish, I will I will construct a, a draft because I'm from wrote several letters for other. Uh, it's only a newly case. It's only a case out about two years. So if you give me permission, I'll construct the first draft. And we'll get it to you. We'll mail it to you, and then you can mail it to your dad. That would be great. Yes, I would. That would be great. Okay, sweetheart. So, uh, Gene, I'm in touch with Gene, and uh, Gene, you give me the information, and uh, I'll get right we'll on do. it. We'll do. Okay, Alicia. So, uh, you, I, I imagine you see him, you visit, right? Yeah, my dad. Yes, and yes, we we yes, talk yes. we talk every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, he probably the, the other there's some good friends of mine there, and he'll know of me. To speak to them, tell them to speak to Boomer, and uh, he'll know he'll know who he is. He's been in a while. He just caught a big break. And uh, has your dad done the two percent uh, reduction motion, Alicia? Mm, I don't know. Okay, well, you need to tell Dad to go speak to Boomer. Boomer's his last name. Your dad will know who he is. He just got there a few months ago, and Boomer got he got off his life with the two point reduction. Okay, and Boomer would have been home, but he had some uh, some infractions and he lost some game time, and he's got to be there. I think he's got to do about another two years. So it's important that these two illegal issues get paid attention to. Uh, mm-hmm. The two point reduction, uh, Boomer knows about that, and uh, I'll do the Holloway letter. Be my okay. pleasure, and okay, hopefully, hopefully something will something will occur. Okay, that would okay. be that would be Lisa. great. Yes. Okay, Alicia Jean. Okay, George. Thank you again for your time, as always. And this is a regular on our program now. George comes on with George's corner, and he is a voice uh, for prisoners for freedom. He's a blessing to us all. Thank you, George. Okay, and like uh, when you have time, Gina, give, give me the correct address, 
and I'll see that she gets the poem in my first draft in the Holloway letter. And uh, well, I'm going to need some. I'm going to need some particulars. So if you can give Alicia my number, I'm going to need some particulars for the so I can construct the first draft. Alicia, okay. we'll be in touch right after the program. Okay. Okay. All right. And uh, Bye, thank George. you for having me on. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, Alicia, these people instilled hope. They instill hope. And we're going to try to continue the hope, sweetheart. Yes. All right. Yes, All right. definitely. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Love you, George. Bye-bye, everybody. Love you, George. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Keep Listeners, that was George Maturano, Georgie's Corner. For you listeners, tell everybody, come on on, listen to our programs on Sunday. You'll hear George Maturano will be on a regular basis, and you'll hear his poetry. You'll hear the, the songs in the wind from George. You'll hear it all, all the time. Back on with with Alicia. Um, I, I, should, um, I just want to say to the listeners that George spent 33 years of a life sentence in prison. So um, he has been freed and just a few months ago and has been able to unite with his daughter. The same thing we want to happen with Antonio Basquera is we want him back with Aisha immediately. <laughs> um, yes. Now, we have another caller. Um, her name is Sherry Sicard. It's C-H-E-R-I-S-I-C-A-R-D. And Sherry does some amazing things for our prisoners. Um, she's got websites for them. She's written letters for them. And she she helps with the clemency project for prisoners to be able to get clemency to, so that the president can grant them clemency. And from what I understand, Sherry knows a lot about your father. So mm-hmm. I'm going to put her on the line. Um, good morning, Sherry. How are you? Good morning, Kristen and Jean and Aisha and everybody Hello, good morning, Sherry. Hi. I was just listening to George. I'm really excited about the Holloway letter too, and this is it's kind of a new uh a new weapon, so to speak, that we have to fight these draconian sentences. So um I'm really excited that George is going to write that letter for Antonio because George knows a lot about it because he got out that way, but um I think that's kind of exciting and I hope that the uh it's now being called the Holloway Doctrine which is even better and more official, will help a lot of our prisoners. Uh, Mindy just looked up a link a link about it, and so um, right. on, sent to me on the back end. So I just sent that link to Aisha so that she has it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'll talk to him about it, too. The Clemency Report wrote about it. Um, I can read the paragraph really briefly, just explain what it is. Um, the Holloway oh, decision please. recognizes that the district courts have the discretion inherent in our American system of justice to subsequently reduce a defendant's sentence in the interest of fairness, even after all appeals and collateral attacks have been exhausted and there is neither a claim of innocence nor any defect in the conviction or sentence, when it has clearly been demonstrated that the original sentence sought by the United States and imposed by the court, even when mandated by law, is revealed to be disproportionately severe. Um, one important note, though, and using this as a practical matter, he says the support or a lack of opposition from the prosecutor is cute. So, um, and probably in Antonio's case, I doubt the prosecutor would be, you know, if the prosecutor is even still around, would object. Mm-hmm. So right. this is, could be an important new weapon for um, many of our prisoners who have been in for decades. 
Wow. Sherry, in, in line yeah. with what you're saying, I'd like to, to, first of all, I'd like to commend you for your efforts. This lady, listeners, is is a dynamo in in, in our movement. She does things unbelievable. The other part Thank of you. it is is this. The other part is this, that there is this portionate stuff that has happened. And the only way we can correct that is with our voices. That is what, that's what the show is about. That's what Sherry is about. That's what the, the, the good people of America are about saying, hey, this is wrong. You know, right. that's the message that we're putting out there. Listeners, well, it, everybody Especially the marijuana lifers. That. The yes. lifers are really the dirty little secret of the Justice Department. Nobody knows they exist. I mean, even people in government don't know they exist. Um, attorneys don't know they exist. Nobody knows they exist. So it is really, really important we keep bringing their stories to the forefront, keep uh, sharing posts about them, share their photos. I try to get people to know these guys personally and make make people understand there's a real live human being behind these horrible, horrible statistics. Um, one of the, you talked about it earlier, one of the problems we have in advocating for these prisoners is these sentences are so unbelievable that most people don't believe them. You know, uh, there's a lot of people that just, I'm sure, dismiss me because they think I'm full of, full of crap or I'm telling them a lie. I've even had attorneys, uh, cannabis attorneys, go, no, there has to be more to it and nobody gets a license for that. And so when we have people that are even involved in this industry who don't understand that, yes, this is a very real thing that can happen and somebody that really was a minor player can and do get life sentences. I mean, we have a problem. So awareness is one of the biggest, um, most important weapons we have in fighting this because the more people become aware of it, the more outrage they'll become and the more change will happen. Absolutely. Sherry, I was just at the uh, edibles thing. I'm in California. I was just at the edibles thing. And to get in there, uh, they said, well, who are you? And I said, well... Uh, I'm a, I was a marijuana prisoner for 25 years, and the girl just looked at me. Now, this is mm-hmm. someone right in the movement. She just looked at me and, like, what'd you say? <laughs> and that is, I, I want listeners to understand that. I, I can't, Sherry, your voice is so important. What you're saying is so important. This is an 81-year-old on an 82-year-old man, and he's done all this time for a marijuana offense. Right. I mean, I point that out all the time when I'm speaking and when I have the posters out, and I always point out Antonio's poster, this is our longest-serving marijuana prisoner. And a lot of the times the people I'm speaking to are younger than the amount of time that he's been in prison. So it it really is impactful. (laughs) But um, wow. yeah, I mean, he's been in for 36 years now. That's a mm-hmm. long time. That's more than a lot of people's lifetimes, especially when we're at shows like the Cannabis Cup and things like that. A lot of the people I'm talking to are, are way younger than 36 years old. So it's really important to become aware of this. But it's also equally important to know that it's still going on, and I'm glad you brought that up, Jane, because um, contrasting to Antonio, who's been in for 36 years, we have Corvain Cooper who got a life sentence last year, life without parole. So this is yeah, still happening. 
Yeah. yeah. In fact, we got a trial right here in Tacoma, Washington. You know, Chad Latham was 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 pardoned by the president, but right here, he's getting out in Tacoma, Washington, or he's coming to return to Tacoma, Washington, and here we are trying to replace him in Tacoma, Washington, the federal government, with another man mm-hmm. for 35 years to life. It's like um, they got one out, so now they got to put one back in. I don't understand. Yeah. And the public Touch. is absolutely unaware of this. They mm-hmm. really do not understand that nonviolent criminals of any type are serving life. That is shocking to most people. I mean, really, the general public assumes that if you've got a life sentence, you killed somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's so not the case. Yeah, Sherry, this is Aisha. First of all, I want to say thank you for everything you have done to support my my dad and and uh-huh. and promote his case. I mean, I can't thank you enough for the time and effort that you and and all the people that you work with have have done for him and for so many others. So, so thank you very much for that. Oh, you're welcome. I love your dad. He's just an awesome guy. One of my favorites. Can you Aww. do you know why is this still happening? I mean, I don't I really don't understand why, especially with everything that President Obama is doing now to release, you know, some of these observances. Why are they still doing it? I I you know, well, states are approving are passing laws to make it legal and yet this still, I don't know why is that? What's the benefit behind it? Well, that's a really complex question, you know, that we could spend um, probably weeks, if not years, debating. But mm-hmm. the short answer is follow the money. I mean, there's a lot of people making money off of mass incarceration, so they want to make sure that continues. Um, there's a lot of political people that are making money off of it or a lot of politicians that are bought out by the corporate interests that make money. And it's not just prisons. It's all the ancillary businesses. There's just a lot of people that make money out of prisons. Um, the other answer, you know, and this is just my opinion, the United States has gotten to a point where we're too big to fail. We are so huge, one hand doesn't know what the other is doing. And so, yeah, we hear on the one hand that they're going to make all these changes, but uh, politics moves at a glacier's pace for any of those changes to actually happen. And it really just hit home with me this year. Paul Frey, who's also serving life without parole for marijuana, was trying to lighten all the paperwork he has because he may be getting transferred. And it really depressed him because he's like, you're sending me all these stories now about all these justice reforms, but I just went through my files and I have stories from 20 years ago that are saying exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that is very discouraging. Of course, we have to celebrate any change we get, but we're not getting nearly enough change. The system is broken at absolutely every level from tiny local politics all the way up to the top, and that's what we're fighting, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. I'm not very cheery, but that's my view of it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We just, um, Sherry, we what, what would you suggest to our listeners who feel compelled to help? Um, what, um, I know we have a petition online. Is there any other thing? I know you've written a letter that um, we've gotten lots and lots of letters signed for Antonio. How could people get hold? What could people do to help to help convince the president to free this? this beautiful soul man that's been locked up. Those clemency support letters are really important. And um, I I will send you a link. Uh, There's a link on my blog, CannabisSherry.com, Sherry, C-H-E-R-I, on how to write a clemency letter. And there's actually an example of a clemency letter there for Antonio that you can just copy or you can take that as an example and rewrite it in your own words. 
and there's directions there of how to send it in. And so we're gathering more clemency support letters. Um, we're asking that you please don't send them directly to the pardon attorney. Um, there's an address on the blog. You can send them to me, and I'll get them to Aisha. Aisha or um, if you know Aisha, you can send them directly to her, too. Um, and what we were doing, um, like what you did last summer when we collected all those support letters, we're gathering them into a package that Aisha can then send with a cover letter to the pardon attorney to the president saying, oh, you know, my father has a lot of supporters that collected these letters. So um, we like to do it that way in a package because um, it shows a lot of attention on the case. It shows a lot of people uh, that are watching this case and are interested and want to see him pardoned. So we find that that's a more effective way than having everybody send in individual letters. So, um but it is very important because then we keep his name in front of the pardon attorney and the president uh, every month or two by sending in a new package of letters and support and any news and things like that. So that would be the most important thing I think you can do for Antonio right now, sign the petition. And even more than signing the petition, I think the clemency support letters can do a lot of good. Yeah, that's true because those go directly to the people that are going to receive the application once the lawyer completes it to right. make the decision whether to forward it or not to President Obama exactly. to make his decision. Mm-hmm. Well, so I know yeah, that's I know. important, and and I just go over very quickly how to write it. So if you're if you don't know what to write, I will take you through the whole process, or you can even just copy the letter that's there. Um, I've got some to send. I actually found some in my car that didn't get all the way to Aisha yet. So I have a handful to send. But if anybody out there listening, yeah, if anybody out there listening is a um, advocate and you are going to an event, it's just as easy as printing out 50 letters. And while you're at the event, you don't even have to be an advocate. All you have to do is tell your friends, hey, you guys, sign this, sign this, sign this, sign this. It's really easy and it's and it's really cool. And I think that when the, the, they get these letters and they see, okay, well, here's all these prisoners asking for clemency. Here's this man with, you know, two-inch, five-inch, ten-inch stack of letters. You know, he's definitely right. going to make an impact on what they see. They're going to see all these, all this support. And so um, I know that people, uh, the, the Voices of the Cannabis Forum, the volunteers that help um, at events out here, they are extremely compelled, Aisha, with your dad's story, and they work extra hard getting letters for your dad. So um, <laughs> <laughs> they love your dad. Everybody out here does. And when we tell people about your dad, they they sign that letter, no problem. They can't wait to sign the letter. So um, there's just really needs to be a lot more. I mean, could you imagine if we had 100,000 letters sitting in front of their desk? They'd have to lift them from desk to desk. Exactly. They'd, have to, they'd be too heavy. They'd definitely definitely see that so mm-hmm. um you know we need to yes, get thank you letters, right course. and that's something we will continue this year too uh to continue to collect letters for antonio and and the other prisoners that uh lifers that have uh, clemency petitions in there's several of them that we were collecting letters for and will continue to this year actually one of them we were collecting Letters for just got clemency, and that's Billy Beagle. So we don't have to collect yep. letters for Billy anymore, which is yep. just about the best news ever. And uh, yep. but we're going to replace him with Michael Pelletier, who is a paraplegic since the age of eleven, serving a life without parole sentence for marijuana as well. It's not bad enough to be in prison for life. He's serving life in a wheelchair. So uh, we're, uh, I'd like to make this comment for for listeners and. 
what Sherry's saying. Listen to this, just this little illustration. Think of water and think of throwing a pebble in that water. Just a little pebble. The water's big, huge. That little pebble starts making ripples and they go out. It has an effect. Those letters, those thoughts, those actions of everybody Mm -hmm. mean that. They're the pebble in that huge lake or ocean and they do the ripples come out and it makes it makes some real difference okay you might not think it would but it does and that's the message that's the it message it does make, make a difference and it makes a real big difference to the people in prison too knowing that even anybody cares enough to be fighting for them gives them so much hope and not even just for the people that we're fighting for but for the people uh, around them as well it's it's really amazing. Craig Cecil just sent me something the other day that said something about the pictures he had um, that I had sent him of his posters. And uh, there was one picture that was a group shot of a bunch of people holding the free pot lifer posters. And in that group was Billy Deagle and uh, George Martirano. And Craig said he took an arrow and drew arrows to them and, and put the dates down that they were free. And that's Aww. making people from all over the prison, even people he didn't know, are coming to look at that picture. He goes, and you're giving hope oh, to all wow. of us. So it really has a wow. ripple effect even beyond the people we're helping. It just, he said that just raised morale of everybody around him. You know, that, wow, somebody was lobbying for these people, and now they're free. And it just really gives hope to everyone. So, yeah, the littlest gesture that you have towards a prisoner has a huge impact, more than you can imagine. Um, Sherry, I've got Mindy on the back end, and she's she's she heard you talk about how to write a letter. Could you briefly mm-hmm. describe um, what should be in a letter and um, how to write one? Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's very easy, and the clemency support letters are nothing to get stressed out about. It's just a few paragraphs. And I will send you the link so you can post that later to to the article that has examples. But basically what you want to do in the first paragraph is is first off state right off the bat while you're writing. I am asking you I am asking you to grant clemency to, for instance, Antonio Bascaro. And then you can see why. Um if you know Antonio, you would put that in there. If you don't, you could just say I'm a concerned citizen who is appalled that a nonviolent offender has served thirty six years. So First paragraph, just say why you're, why you're writing and who you are and what your relationship is to them. Then you can talk about um, why you think that Antonio should get out, that you know he's never hurt anybody, he's uh, really spent a lot of years in prison and he's paid this ultimate price. Um, and you just conclude again by asking for that. What you It's more important what you don't want to do in a clemency letter and what you don't want to do is claim that the person was innocent. You don't want to get on a soapbox about how wrong the drug war was or how wrong the sentence was or whatever. What we're asking for in clemency at this point is mercy. And you've got to think about who you're writing to. And the audience we're writing to here basically are people who think this person is guilty. That's not up for debate anymore. Now the debate is are we going to show them mercy and let them out. So that's the audience we're talking to. And we want to write a letter that will appeal to that audience. So basically, um, we are just asking that clemency and mercy be granted to this person. He has already served a long time. It does not benefit society for him to stay in. Um, his family has suffered, that sort of thing. But don't 
but avoid getting on a soapbox, you know, avoid criticizing um, the powers that be, that sort of thing. We're just asking that they really grant this person mercy. I'm going to write one, just just a personal one, just just for her dad today, actually. So thank you for that advice. Um, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use your advice today. Great. I signed a letter for him, but I haven't written a one. Hmm? I said I've signed a letter for Antonio, but I haven't actually written a personal one. So I'm going to sit down with your advice today and do that. That's great. I'm going to send you a link now. If you have a place to post it, you can post it to your listeners. And as I said, I have examples there for the various prisoners who do need uh, clemency support letters. So if anybody wants to be ambitious and write for more than just Antonio, we have some other prisoners there that also have uh, clemency petitions and that could use support. So I really appreciate it for anybody that would uh, take the time. It probably takes you about 10 minutes and the price of a stamp. So how easy is that? It 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 sounds good. Okay, I got your I got your um your message, so I'm going to share it around. Okay, great. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and if anybody has any questions, um, please contact me anytime. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Sherry at cannabisherry.com is my email. I'm here to help. Okay, is there anything else you want to say, Sherry, about um, Antonio or about any other prisoners? Um, you're, you're pretty you're pretty familiar with um, Paul Free. How's he doing? I am. Um, Paul is doing well. He has some legal things pending, so uh, and he is going to be filing for clemency soon, so we will be adding him to the clemency support list as soon as he actually does that. Um, health-wise, yeah, he's not doing that great. He has skin cancers that were diagnosed over two years ago that still haven't been treated. And uh, last time I saw him, he really has aged a lot from even a few months ago when I saw him last. So I am kind of concerned about his health, to be honest. Um, Antonio is amazing. <laughs> he is, I can't believe he's 81 years old. He is as sharp as a teenager. He's <laughs> witty, he's fun, he's smart, and he's an amazing man. I mean, really, most of the guys I work with are incredibly inspiring. Uh, their resilience is just amazing, how they keep a positive attitude and keep going. I don't know if I could be that strong. In fact, I know I couldn't. Um, so they really amaze me and inspire me every day. Nice, nice. Well, thank you, Sherry, for joining us this morning. We uh, truly appreciate your time your energy, your efforts, and besides us, we know all of our prisoners do. Um, I hear really good things about the help that you give them, and that's what they need. They, that's what we all need to hear is that everybody's helping, but you to step up and um, take the lead in helping them, that gets more people. Um, we appreciate we appreciate you. and every no, I appreciate you, and, and thank you and, and Mindy and Miguel and Jared and Becky and Becca and everybody that collected hundreds and hundreds of clemency support letters last year. You guys were amazing. We sent in big, big, thick stacks of support letters. That's wonderful. And let's do it again this year. Yeah, that's our hopes. Um, that's our hopes. We, we'd really like to get a lot more out there. In fact, Mindy's got a plan. She would like to be able to hit up all the places down there in Portland, Oregon, and get them to put letters out and posters out for the prisoners too. So um, hopefully That's this great. will be a lot a lot more than last year. Yeah. 
And hopefully when we talk this time next year, they will all be out. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and Sherry, there's anything that we, I can do to support, you know, also not only my dad's case, but, you know, the ones that you are supporting, please let us know, okay? Let me know. Okay. All right. Thank you, Aisha. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Bye-bye. Christian, I'd like to take this moment to, to get a word in about things that we're trying to do. Uh, with people like Sherry and others, we're going to have a, 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 a and I we can use your support. We're going to have a, a, a march on Washington, a, a conversion on Washington, and we're going to go to see the president and Congress. This is going to happen. This is a just a, a little gleam in our eyes right now, but this is going to happen this year. This and we're I going to need talk to you more about that because, yeah. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you we're going to we're gonna go out. see. We're going to go see the president as citizens, and we're going to say, "Stop this madness." We're going to see it. them. We're going directly. <laughs> yep, like we're going to have. We're going to try to get all the prisoners and prisoners, all the recently released POWs and all the prisoners' families. So if anybody's listening out here that has money, who knows people that has money that would help, like to help to fund this project, we truly believe that if the president, we're not just the president we're trying to affect, we would also like to affect Congress. So anybody who would like to help get the voices of the cannabis war, and that's anybody and everybody who's been affected by the war out to D.C., like to help to contribute to our plans. We really believe our plans will change everything. We really believe that these voices is what Congress needs to hear, is what the president needs to hear, is how we've been um, hurt by by this war and how we can change it. So if anybody else there would like to help plan, um, fund, anything that has to do with this project, we really think that this is the way to end all this. So please let us know. You can email us at voicesofthecannabiswar at gmail.com or just send us a Facebook message or anything like that. We we definitely need more. We need help from everybody to make this happen. So check into it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you guys, oh. um, we're going to go, we've got about 35 minutes left in the show, and we're going to talk a little bit about this trial coming up. Um, and we have a couple a couple calls coming up. Um, Tom Corby is going to give us an update from Northern California. Is there anything that you would like to add, Aisha, before we, um, we go on to talk about this other trial? Anything that you would like anybody to know about your father or anything that you haven't had a chance to say yet? You know, there is so much to say, uh, Christine. I know. It, <laughs> okay. You know, I would say I would say this. Um, uh, it's been a long, long road, you know, for our family. And my dad is definitely a, a wonderful man. He did not deserve what he got, you know. And and if there is any sense of fairness and justice from the people that can make the decision, I'm sure that as soon as they get, they hear about his case, my dad will be a free man. But in the meantime, you know, anything that anybody can do 
you know, to support the cause of my fathers and the cause of so many others under the same situation. My father is just the, the worst kind just because he's been there the longest, you know. Um, right. But, um, you know, it definitely brought awareness to me, you know, um, about how bad the situation is out there. I thought that my, my dad was one one of a kind, and and it seems that it's a lot bigger than that. And so... So please, you know, it's either to write a letter in support for my dad or for others in that situation, or you know, when you go to our Facebook pages, the simple, the simple act of sharing those posts to the to the um, either to be able to do the clemency letters or to uh, sign the petitions, you know, sharing, especially now in the in the social media world. Uh, sharing those posts and those pages, you know, spreads the word so much. Um, even if it's just for people to be aware of what's going on, um, is a really simple action that can really go a long way. Um, and so I think that uh, if you could do that and ask your friends and family to do the same, uh, it would be fabulous. Um you know, and on behalf of myself and and all the people that are going through this, thank you for all the efforts that you have put through. You know, Kristen and Eugene with this program, and people like Sherry and Dennis and Julia Stewart from from Fam and so many other people that are, have been, you know, um, supporters of of, of this movement. Uh, really appreciate it. it. It gives us strength and hope to keep going. You know, when otherwise you would have just given up and just accepted the things are the way they are, but because of all the people like you and and uh, you know we are able to think, okay, maybe it is possible. Maybe it is next birthday or next Christmas that they will be with us. And and so I thank you for that because that allows us to keep us going, myself and my father and and everybody else. So um, you know, just want to say thank you and I really appreciate the time. Uh, given to to me in this in, the, in your radio show and and um, and uh, you know I'll be happy to come again in the future and hopefully give you a better positive more positive update. So, but uh, for for right now, thank you very much. And just remember, a little bit of action, you know, uh, can really go a long way. So thank you. Thank you, Aisha. Thank you for your dad's sacrifice, your whole family sacrifices, and. Um, I've, I've been an amazing show, and I'm happy to have learned more, even more about your dad than I knew before. Thank you. Have a great day, and we'll talk soon, Thanks. okay? Goodbye, Eugene. Listeners. Love you. Bye, bye, Aisha. Listeners, that was the sweet voice of a daughter who suffered along with her father every day of this humongous, unjust sentence. That was the sweet voice of a daughter speaking. Yeah, you can't get more, um, you can't know more than that. That's just, she just wants her dad back after 36 years. So we we really, everybody listening to the show, um, please share it. Let this voice be heard. Her voice is amazing. And, you know, like we said earlier, it's just that not a lot of people know. Like Eugene went to an event yesterday and they looked at him like he was crazy because he said he was in prison for 25 years. Uh, people don't understand why they're walking around with joints hanging out their out their mouth and smoking on the pipe. That there are people who have lost their lives over this. So if if you um, 
if you are hearing this show right now or tomorrow or the next day, please share it. Please be a bigger voice. Help our voices get louder by sharing it so that people can hear more and writing a letter. You can be a voice for Aisha's dad by sending the president a letter and telling him that he doesn't deserve the pardons attorney a letter and tell him that he doesn't deserve to be there. Um, don't just walk away from the show and just, I mean, it's okay to just hear it too, but when you walk away from the show, just do that extra special thing and do something like write that letter. And it could be a handwritten letter. It doesn't have to be typed out. You can handwrite a letter. So I just take the stamp and the envelope and uh, eventually we will, we will get Aisha's father home to her. And that's, that's, the, that's the reason why we have this show. So please um, help Aisha in our efforts of bringing her, her dad home. Um, next, we're going to talk. I'm going to pull Miggy on the phone because Miggy sat in this federal trial um, on Friday and witnessed some crazy stuff. And Miggy wrote an article, and I want him to tell, tell everybody a little bit more about it. Good morning, Miggy. Have you? I, I know you just got on, but we've been talking to Aisha about her dad. Um, I don't remember if you remember, but we got a lot of letters signed. Um, well, of course you remember, but we got a lot of letters yeah. signed for Antonio <laughs> at the last um, Oregon Hemp Fest that we were at, Hemp Stock. Yes, ma'am. Yep. No, she's awesome. You know, I, uh, I think I was one of the first ones that found about her case, uh, her dad's case, because uh, she went to Dad's for Marijuana on the Facebook, and that's where she posted, like, hey, I need help. At least where I saw it. Cool, cool. This thing is crazy. It explain to our listeners what's going on. Like Yeah. So hey, good morning, Eugene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was the same as you know, this is a huge important trial because the words medical marijuana have never been used in a federal court before. Uh, even with clearly sick people dying with AIDS or cancer, uh, just like in the Kettle Falls Five, they weren't allowed to use the words medical marijuana. And that's all we're hearing from all these uh, defendants, right? Yeah. All these witnesses, right? Yeah, and even uh, like the even like the fed. Okay, so they had a they had a detective, undercover, a federal agent come on there, and he said, "Well, they were following the laws. It is legal." And something else he said that kind of is like kind of shocking to me. They're almost presenting the case um, for for the pros- the prosecutors are almost presenting the case for the defendant in a way. Like they yeah. said nothing yeah. to. <laughs> it it seems, it seems like a like like a bad comedy that I'm watching because every, the, the the prosecutor I was expecting a very law and order type scenario. This is my first case, as you know. You've you've been through these before, and. and uh, uh, I, you know, I, I go in there, you know, being an ap- activist, advocate, whatever, you have to go in there uh, just waiting to have that ball dropped in you. Like, okay, there's got to be a smoking gun that it's not just a marijuana case. There's something really bad about this situation. But there's not. The, well, everything they've proven is this this gentleman, Lance Glover, has been doing business in accordance with every other business that's been doing business in Washington State. There is no – there's nothing special he's been doing. Uh, you know, he's being prosecuted. If you remember, the reason why this whole domino effect started was what the, what the state uh, agents testified was is they had an anonymous uh, complaint that he was uh, being successful pretty much, you know, which blows my mind. You know, if you're 
disgruntled patient, you go to another shop. There's plenty of other places around Washington. There's no lack of weed in Washington. I don't understand how this whole thing got started. Well, I, I do understand how it got started. Back in 2011, the federal government took a really big stance against medical marijuana. Um, regardless of the state laws, they trampled over almost 100. I think it was like 80-something dispensaries they raided. Um, of course, my dad's dispensaries in Montana. They hit Montana pretty hard. They hit uh, Michigan pretty hard. And you know, you, everybody knows that my dad my dad owned five dispensaries in Montana, and that's why he went to prison. Um, they also they also hit um, uh, Washington area. I think they got they they raided like 15 dispensaries in Washington, and like I think 20 or 30 down in California. And they pretty much did a lot of them in one day, various different days throughout the, throughout 2011. So. This case is stemming from those 2011 raids. Now, what's interesting in this case is when we have we, all the all the cases, what what they do is they say, okay, well, there's 20 people involved, so or you know 15 people, and they narrow it down, and so they get the best witnesses they can, the ones that are willing to take deals. The ones that aren't willing to take deals are going to suffer. So basically, they've got Lance's, you know, employees, his co-defendants, everybody is going to testify. One of the people that testified, one of the snitches that testified, I believe on the first day, I wasn't there on the first day, but it was an ex-girlfriend of his, and that actually yeah. hurt him a little bit because he was very close to her. And the second um, day, which was what we saw, is that one of his employees and was snitching, not snit necessarily snitching, telling telling the, the jurors <laughs> that he <laughs> sold marijuana, basically. <laughs> Even though he did the same thing, but what was kind of odd to me is that they, they stated, you now currently work at such and such place, and, you know, you're still in the business. And he says yes. And what makes me wonder is, does this guy's boss know that he's snitching on his last boss in federal court trying to put him in prison for 36 years to life just so he don't have to go? You know, well, another no, thing, if all the, these – go ahead. But I would say, well, for that, for that one gentleman uh, per se, according to one of uh, – when I was doing my research, while I was writing my article, and I mentioned it, I didn't mention his name because I didn't know the legality. But you know, I, I guess it would have been fine to mention his name now. Uh, but anyways, the in the Lincoln profile, he, he says that he's co-owner of that shop. So I mean, he sounds like he's got special interests too involved, not just uh, he's trying to take out competition. At least from what I see, you know. Right. Yeah, it's it's um but, kind of crazy watching them turn all of his people that used to be close to him against him. It's it's real sad. Well, yeah, and like I was saying, though, you know, there, there's no smoking gun because everything they're saying is, yes, we, we check IDs. Yes, we serve patients. Yes, we were a medical dispensary. There's no he, – he wasn't doing anything uh, erroneous that, that no one else is doing, even the recreational shops. No, no kids were sold pot. There was no non-patient sold pot. There was nothing. You know, and as we all know, marijuana is not the drug that we were taught, but besides the case, he didn't break the state law. Right. But the state laws are still federally illegal. I think that's what they're ultimately going to get at. But uh, they, they don't know. The feds don't know. See, Vicky, another thing, too, is, is okay, the, the marijuana is a Schedule One drug, just like heroin, because the feds say it has no medicinal value. Okay? But they do say that meth and cocaine and some of these other drugs do. That's why they're Schedule Two, Schedule Three, et cetera. So the fact that they say that marijuana has no medicinal value, and then they threw out Section uh, 538, which says that they cannot go after medical marijuana dispensaries. Um, 
the fact that they threw that out and now they're allowing the, the medical laws, it, the medical state laws to be presented against him in court, it, it kind of shows, to me, makes me feel like, okay, we're talking about medical um, on, on a Schedule One drug charge that says it doesn't have any medical value. So doesn't that contradict the charges, the, the fact that they are talking about medical and they say it has no medicinal value? In my opinion, um, this should throw out that Schedule One drug drug law because they've just they've just showed everybody that it does. Well, that's why this that's case is so think. important. The, the fact that they're able to use those words in a federal court, you know, uh, the next person that gets raided or or arrested in Michigan or Wyoming, you know, this is protecting the other states now. You know, we've gone through our, you know, when's the last time a raid was in California? It's been a couple months, but I mean, there's still that threat there, but. The, the scarier places, Mississippi, you know, uh, West Virginia, they all can use this medical marijuana defense, and that's why it's so huge. Right. To, to, to use um, those words in your court. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good turning point for the whole law. I do, too. I do, too. So he didn't have a lot of court support. He had about, you know, some family members and a few close friends. Um, and this case is going to be going on Monday, Tuesday, and probably Wednesday and possibly Thursday. Um, do you you wrote this article? In fact, after you were so compelled to sit down and start writing, how do we how do we read the article? And if people want to know more about it, how do people get in touch with the article? That's going to have well, like, right, all details. Yeah, right now I'm waiting for uh, uh, Steve Elliott from Toke Signals to publish it, but um, and I'm, he's probably proofreading it, and then he's going to you know attach according documents that way for presentation and. Uh, you know, I, I understand we're in a timely manner, so if this doesn't happen by evening, uh, which was on his website's Toke Signals, um, and then if, uh, if it doesn't get happen by evening, I'll post it on my blog just for a space to share it, and I'll share it on your page. Um, I just have a goofy of uh, my writing blog where I just write and share videos and shit, but, uh, you know, I just, it's, the importance is getting the information out there, so uh, I'm pretty sure Steve will get to it by tonight, which will be on Toke Signals, and, uh, we can also check Facebook, you know, check your profile because I'm sure you'll be sharing it and it'll be shared on your page tonight too. So uh, okay. that would be the number one way to check it since everybody knows who you are here. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen Floor, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-F-L-O-R. You can find that article on my wall. As soon as it's put out, I will have the breaking news to, for everybody. Um, Miggy, is there anything that you want to say about um, supporting Lance? in court and um instead of doing well, what else you know how we you know we, we it's a big topic for the all the dissenting views and, and the marijuana uh, activism uh uh whatever you want this is not industry you know this is people just trying to help but we have so many bipolar personalities when it comes to organizations and, and, and whatnot uh I, i'm sure you heard and i told you i've heard stories about lance from, from you know behind where they're like you know you shouldn't support him but the fact is, the case is purely marijuana. You know, if there was any other drug on there, we wouldn't be there. If there was any other, if there was any violence, we wouldn't be there. The fact is, this man is going to trial for just running legal Washington State dispensaries. And if you smoke a joint, if you go to a shop, if you do any of this, you should stand by this man and say he shouldn't be going to jail. Stand by our caregivers. Another thing, let's let's talk a little bit. Is is that the jurors? They they seem to me like confused in a way like they they're looking at they're looking bored they're looking at like what 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 the heck exactly. I mean, they're, they're showing videos of they're showing videos in the courtroom of them denying 
the undercover cop access to the dispensary because he didn't have um, the paperwork for it. I mean, I don't know where they're getting at, but the jurors are going to have the ultimate power. If there's there's 12 jurors, and all it's going to take is one of those jurors to say not guilty. And if they say not guilty, then Lance will not go to prison for 36 years to life. Now, a lot of our prisoners who are serving life sentences went to trial. And the jurors, you know, back then didn't know their rights. In fact, they barely know their rights now. And that's the fact that if you believe that the law is bad, if you think it's a bad law, you can refuse to convict. With whatever the government tells you, I know they put a lot of evidence in front of you that says, hey, they broke this law. Are they guilty of breaking this law? And technically they might be guilty. But inside that juror's head, they can use their conscience. And they could say, no, this is a bad law. Nobody should go to jail for a plant. Um, this is, there's a victimless crime. There are no victims. I can't. And, they, and another thing the jurors do not know is that he's facing 36 years of life either. So um, if, they, if they just say just one of those 12 jurors there just says not guilty, Lance will be free for life. He will not be going to prison for 36 years of life. So, it's a way we can end this madness around the whole U- U.S. In this case right now, once the government, if there was no snitches and there was, um, we said not give, guilty, the war would be over. So if we can just refuse to convict, um, and this happens in courtrooms across the nation, we could end the marijuana prohibition just like alcohol prohibition and just like the slavery. Um, we ended slavery through jury nullification. And I am convinced, I, I think, he's going to get a not guilty. What do you think? I, th- I think, so like you said, the jurors look kind of confused, and then they're, I think they're just trying to find the crime, you know, and there's no crime. Eugene, is there anything you'd like to say about trials? I know you went to trial, and you, you were found guilty, and you, you went to prison for 25 years. Is there anything you could say, you know, 28 years later, um, it's still going on, is there anything you could say to the nation about trials and about convictions? <laughs> I, I just don't even know where to start. It's a nightmare. <laughs> beyond belief. Okay. It's beyond belief. I, I've never passed anything like done anything like it in my life. I've been in war conditions. I've been in life-threatening conditions. I can't describe to you what it is like. We had an 11-month trial. I can't describe to you what it's like. Oh, my goodness. Just say not guilty. You could save somebody from from going to prison just by by looking deeper into the situation than what the government makes it appear. I I can tell you this, uh, Miggy and Christian, I can tell you this. In our trial, I'm talking about 1988. In our trial... We tried to bring a defense about marijuana, about what it really was, pre-trial, and they wouldn't even listen to it. There was nobody. There were people who knew it was ridiculous, but the only organization out there was normal at the time, and now there's all kinds of people speaking out, out of conscience, out of intelligence on the situation. But I remember that. We brought experts in and so on, and they just laughed at us. They just laughed at us. Hmm. So that's, if you want a part of my trial, that was a part of my trial. 
Well, Miggy, is there anything else you want to say about about Lance? Because we got um, we got about fifteen minutes left, and we got two more callers on the line. No, yeah, I, I just uh, on the line. Try to make it through this week. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for thank, sure. Well, thank, thank you, you for everything you do. No problem. Thank you. No victim, no thank crime. You for everything you do, my brother. <laughs> no problem. Right. I'll catch you guys later. Thank you, Miggy. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. All right, next, you guys, we're going to go to Stephanie Landa. Oh, hold on. She has hung up already. We've got one more caller on the line, and maybe that's her. I wish we got Stephanie on because she's doing another fundraising. She's doing another fundraising. This lady, this angel, is out there raising funds for prisoners constantly, and Every penny that she raises goes on the books of prisoners. So every effort she does, she's that pebble in the water I told you about before. The ripples are fantastic. That woman just does this over and over. I can't compliment her enough. For sure, for sure. Well, Mindy's screening the call right now, and um, we should know if that's her or not in a second. But, um, yeah, so that's another thing, too. We've been talking about Antonio Basquero, and one of the things that Stephanie does is raise commissary, and I believe Antonio is one of the one of the people that she's helped, along with so many. Um, I know that at the um, last hemp fest that she went to, um, oh, that wasn't her, so I think she had just dropped off completely. So we'll get her next week. But what she does is she's going to be, in fact, she has another event coming up soon at the High Times Cup, I'm not sure um, where it's going to be at, but we'll get those details. But she's going to be selling hot cocoa. Um, Sherry, who who was on her show earlier, is they know her as Cannabis Sherry, and she has written numerous books about about um, uh, recipes that you can use marijuana in in order to make edibles. And so she has some special chocolate chocolate um, hot cocoa that donating to the to the cause and they're going to be selling at the high times cup and all the profits are going to go towards commissary to make sure our prisoners are taken care of while they're behind bars because everybody well not everybody knows but what they do is they they force our prisoners to work for less than 12 20 30 cents an hour and so they need the help from the outside world our our community in order to survive behind bars so we'll get more details about what's going on with stephanie mm-hmm. And her group is called Freedom Grow. So if you want to reach Stephanie Landa, um, you can find her on Facebook. Her last name is L-A-N-D-A-S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E. If you would like to donate any type of commissary, she can assist you with that. Um, so look at look look for Stephanie to come. Next, we're going to go to Tom Corby, who's going to give us a final update regarding Northern California, and then we're going to go into close. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Morning, Kristen, Eugene, Mindy, Rebecca. Thank you all. All the folks on the front line to make the show happen. Uh, Northern California, we have an upheaval uh, of grow bands. Uh, actually, this next Tuesday, we have Butte County Supervisors Meeting in Butte, Yuba, all the way. Uh, up and down the line in California, uh, we ask you to come and support our right to go and have our cannabis medicine. Uh, <clears throat> this last Friday, uh, Shelby Lucero 
went to her, can you read this vote, her 29th continuance, which basically are pre-trial conferences. Uh, again, we always point out how, what a waste of taxpayers' time and money, and it's disrupting lives and family. Uh, she always going on to uh, her 30th continuance, if you can believe that, oh. <clears throat> on uh, this this uh, month, January 29th at 9 a.m. in Sacramento, uh, 9th and 8th Street. People could come for court support. Uh, court support is always so important, not only support the, the defendant. We always point out that there are witnesses, <coughs> the witness uh, uh, of the injustices that go on inside these courtrooms. Uh, we also connect with friends and people, uh, court support. It's so important, folks, get hooked. Uh, so uh, Lisa Gresham Gordon was there for support, said that uh, now uh, Shelby has actually uh, the number one uh, public defender uh, who she felt did a good job. Uh, at the end of the uh, hearing, uh, the, the DA brought <coughs> a witness in, was supposed to, or had a witness scheduled to come in, or he didn't show. His attorney showed for him because it could have changed his case. So uh, that was a little something good that went on with her case there. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, these witnesses that the DAs and the uh, prosecution bring in, uh, uh, well, they're not only rats or uh, uh, moles, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, going on from that, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, got a lot on my plate. Uh, when we talk about these uh, these uh, requests for pardon letters, they're so important. And uh, I just, we have one here now going for, uh, Maurice Foley uh been writing almost three years, every year. Uh, and this letter here, when we talk about these letters, <clears throat> uh Handwritten, it was, it was shared today as poor. I think just handwritten, kind of keeping to brevity. And if you share these letters on social media, Facebook, then we can all get them and get it to also the prisoner and his attorney so they can take it right in when they go to your, uh, for the pardon request. Uh, always send your, your letters to the Office of Pardon Attorney. That's, that is President Obama's pardon attorney, and that's 1425 New York Avenue, 11,000 Washington, D.C., 20530, uh, and a request for pardon. Uh, that's to the Deputy Attorney General James Cole and Deborah Left. Uh, this letter is a little short. I just want to read it. Uh, if you keep it, it's chase here. Uh, it, 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 I always bring out how it's come to our attention that we – and we find this disturbing that Mr. Foley has already served 13 years for a victimless crime. Uh, moreover, is that the co-defendants in this case were released 11 years ago and have already completed their probation. This not only seems unjust, but cruel and inhumane treatment. Uh, again, we point out how it's a waste of taxpayers' money and it's disrupting uh, his life and his family. Uh, these, these are draconian, antiquated, illogical, mandatory minimum sentencing laws that we must put a stop to. Uh, and many of these would have been resolved years ago had it not been for that. 
Furthermore, we find that in many of these cases, evidence is excluded where find it in your heart, uh, 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 where courts are obligated to allow all evidence in. How can that be? That all being said, we hope you find it in your hearts to free Mr. Foley. Thank you for your time and consideration for our plea. Respect with Tom and Donna Corby, GHSI and GL.org, and our address. And also, this letter is going to his judge. Going to be seeing his judge, David Stewart Strong, uh, U.S. District Courthouse. Uh, that's 700 Grant Street in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 15219. Uh, these letters are so important, folks. Uh, I can't say enough about them. And also make sure that you also send a letter, a note, and a copy to the prisoners. He would love to hear from you. For Think about it, folks. That's really all they have in there. Uh, mail call right. is the most important, important time of all. Uh, all uh, right, Tom. So, um, I want to I want to interrupt you just for a second because we got eight minutes yeah. left and we just got uh, two more two more updates to do. Um, so, okay, sure. thank you for the letter. Is there any other um, anything else that you wanted to quickly mention? Well, well, okay. We went for the Benos yesterday for a fundraiser, and they want to thank everybody that's coming and uh, on a GoFundMe to help cover their him and his boys' bail uh, expense every month. And uh, they're thanking everybody, uh, the Benos, uh, up up in uh, Shasta County too. Uh, I want to thank you all uh, for another great show. Uh, don't forget thank to read. Thank, thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. I won't forget. <laughs> all right, you guys, we have two more updates. we got an update. We have seven minutes left in the show, which I do believe the show is going to run maybe about five minutes longer. Um, but Stephanie's back on, and we want to get her on for a couple minutes. And then we have an update from Mindy. We have a prisoner who really needs your help. So just stay tuned. Hang in there with us for about another five or ten minutes. Um, here's Stephanie. Good morning, Stephanie. I was just telling the listeners about about let Good morning, Steph. <laughs> How are you okay. doing today? Good morning, Jean. Um, I'm doing give, great. Give us some good news, tell, Steph. I just want to tell everybody that the High Times event, the LA High Times event in San Bernardino, is the last weekend in January, the first weekend in February, and it's a three-day weekend in February. And we're going to have coffee, tea, and hot chocolate, medicated and unmedicated, and all the money is going to go to the prisoners. So I'm hoping to, like, get, like, more than $10,000. That's what I've decided. And Ooh, so every wow. so make your list so that I can fill it when the High Times Cup is over. And don't forget to come over. Oz WeHo is again giving us a booth. And we're going to have a stage right next to our booth and entertainment and so come by and say hello and give me money. <laughs> Yay, it. so it's the Oz, the Oz booth? Yeah, the Oz booth is giving us like a quarter of their booth and to cool. do our thing. And Sherry is going to serve hot chocolate with me and my friend Naomi, and we're going to make lots of money. We're actually Yay. we're making up, Sherry's making up 100 pounds of, not medicated hot chocolate, and then I'm going to get pastries to sell, and I'm going to think of anything else I can sell. So um, please, everybody, stop by. 
Um, and how can people get everybody? All listeners have to understand. All listeners must understand what she does, what this lady does. This money gets raised and it gets to prisoners. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. It gets raised and it gets to prisoners. We don't even take expenses off of it. We don't take anything off of it. Every penny you give me and the money I add to it, of course, is going to go, go on the commissary of prisoners. So it's like, don't think about, oh, this hot chocolate is costing this amount, and you're charging this amount. Every penny goes on their commissary, guaranteed within days. That's a guarantee, Liz. That's a guarantee. I personally guarantee, because I know this woman and the integrity she has, that's a guarantee. It's not like other groups have done that don't, the money doesn't get to prisoners. This money reaches prisoners, every penny. And you'll know by following me on Instagram, Let Freedom Grow, and you'll see all the money orders. Cool, cool. And how can people get in touch with you in the meantime if they either just want to help you or load commissary or whatever the case may be? How could we get in touch with you? Uh, Call me, 818-652-7891. Or go to drdina420 or freedomgrow.org. Okay. See, I'm adding Sounds things good. all the time. <laughs> it used all to be right. only a phone number. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, well, well have um, a great show. I love you guys. Thank you, Stephanie. And we love you, Stephanie. Love you, okay, too. Okay, and I will keep you updated. All right, I'll talk cool. to you next week. My all radio right, thank you. Yay. Can't wait. <laughs> okay, all right, bye. you guys. That's voice. That's the voice of a woman warrior. That's the voice of our of our Stephanie. Stephanie Thank you, Lander, Stephanie. who spent time time in prison. She is an ex POW as well, so she understands fully what our prisoners are going through back there behind bars with no money. And she is so compelled that she gets out there. She hustles her ASS off for them. So help Stephanie help them get down there and buy some hot cocoa and some whatever hot cocoa, medicated, non-medicated. If if you don't like hot cocoa, just donate. Just show up and donate. Um, Next, we're going to have Mindy Griffith, who is the producer of this show. She provides us with a weekly update regarding our prisoners, and she has some good news about a prisoner coming up. Good morning, Mindy. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning, Eugene. How are you guys doing? Tell us some good news. Tell us some good news, um, it's it's bittersweet good news. It's great news uh, that Scott Walt will be getting out of prison um, on the 20th. Um, bad news is, is he, he served 23 years for weed, and, um, you know, that's a long time. And as I believe it was Sherry earlier who said, you know, to, there's people who haven't even been alive that long smoking, you know, out there smoking weed, and that that's the case in this situation. So... Um, he does have a great support system, and um, I'm really hopeful and excited for him. But I wanted to let everybody know that he does have a GoFundMe. If you Google Scott Walt, you will find 
not only um, his story so you can learn a little bit about him, but also his GoFundMe page that's titled Help Scott, Scott Walt Restart His Life. I highly encourage you to, um, if you have, um, if you have anything extra to donate, this is a this is an important one to do so. Um, and just, I also want to congratulate Scott on his uh, his uh, soon to be release. Um, having said that, I also want to put out there that. Um, I believe I mentioned last week the other spot had closed and what a great support system they were for us and for the cannabis prisoners. And so I um, very sadly went and collected all the posters. When I had taken the posters that we had um, made for Hempstock, Kristen, and I had asked, you know, Nikki if she would just put one up and she said, oh, no, I need to put them all up. And... um, so you know they they all had a home there for a long time, and um, Nikki says that they brought about more attention than anything else that was on the walls there. Um, oh, wow! So I'm going I'm going to be going around to dispensaries and asking them if they would you know kindly just post one. I I'm not expecting anybody to post them all, and you know I'll I'll rotate them so that it keeps it interesting. We'll keep them looking nice, they you know and classy. But um, if you are somebody that works or knows or has a favorite dispensary you think would want to support a cannabis prisoner by simply just posting a poster, um, let us know so we can get that to them. And that's all I have today, Kristen. Sweet. Thanks, Mindy. Well, for our listeners, uh, Mindy is um, one of the producers or is the producer of the show. And she does a lot in trying to, she's actually learning how to, she's going to KBU radio station, learning how to do radio. So we're going to have an expert, our expert producer with us um, coming soon um, as she's learning more and more and able to share that with us. Um, we want to, we're going to about to go into closing now and we want to thank CCHI 2016 for giving this beautiful voice that we have here and all the volunteers, all the callers, all the prisoners, all the prisoners' families, people who make this show possible. Um, this show, nobody gets paid. We do not get any money for airing this show. This is strictly volunteer. This is strictly about the voices of the cannabis war. With that said, today is Sunday, so we want to recognize some of the people that have passed away and died because of this war. Um, so we want to ask you to help us in prohibition. Um, so because... I personally believe that some of the people that have passed away in this war haven't left us completely because I feel like they're still on the other side of life helping us fight through all of this. I want them to be able to rest in peace because um, nobody should have to die for a plant, especially my father, Richard Floor, who died shackled to a hospital bed, um, neglected, tormented, abused, basically to death um, because prison didn't take care of him. He owned dispensaries in Montana. He was a caregiver. He loved the plant. He risked his whole life for it. So I say rest in peace to my dad. I also got to say rest in peace to another straight hero that I love, two of them that I love, 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 even though I've never got to met them. But I have met their their, their people that they left behind, like Stacy Tice and their son Jake. Stacy drives around a big green bus around the nation just because of what they did to her aunt and uncle, Gary Shepard and Mary Jane Jones. 
the two of them, 21 years ago, got shot down by the federal government during a raid. Gary Shepard was protecting his plants, and Mary Jane Jones was holding poor little baby Jake in her arms as the government shot both of his parents to the ground. Gary Shepard died. Mary Jane Jones continued to live her life for about 20 years after, and she just passed away just recently. So we want to say rest in peace to those two heroes. Um, they've, they're here, and we want to end the war so they can rest in peace. We also want to say rest in peace to Jack Hare, who educated us about the plant. He left behind a book called Emperor Wears No Clothes. In that book, if you read it, it will tell you all the conspiracy that the government has done to make this plant illegal, to make keep this plant out of our lives, and all the things that the plant can do to help our universe stay in contact um, and stay stay where it needs to be. The plant can supply us with every almost all of our needs, including food. So check out that book and find out what the conspiracy is all about. We also want to say rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who wrote us books. He went to prison for the plant and died there for the plant. And he wrote us books about how to deal with death, how to deal with happiness, how to deal with our feelings. So please check out Peter McWilliams. We also want to say rest in peace to Bill Lamorde, who passed away on the 4th of July um, with Eugene. He was one of Eugene's good friends in prison. Um, Bill came um, into the yard one day. He was serving time for the plant. He felt his chest, and he just died there from a major heart attack. And nobody deserves to die a miserable death in prison, suffering from not being able to be in the outside world. We also want to say rest in peace to Dee Young, who died of cancer, and she gave us Adam, who helps us fight the war every day. We also want to say rest in peace to Curtis Cecil, who um, is Craig Cecil's son. Craig was on our our call today, even mentioned his son today. Um, Curtis should not have passed away without his father by his side. That's for sure. Uh, we also want to say rest in peace to two little children who died in the war, Spencer Coptis and Cashy Hyde. They both had brain tumors, and the plant was helping their brain tumors shrink, and they were doing very well until our government um, raided both of their dispensaries, their caregivers, took the medicine away that was that was killing their cancer, and now um, after that was happened, both of their cancers grew, and they passed away in the war because they did not have access to the medicine that they that was saving their lives. We also want to say rest in peace to a personal friend of mine, Bernardo Fumos Martinez, who had it in his heart and his soul to help us in the war, and he was thinking big thoughts like how can we end it across the whole world. So Fumo was trying to make videos and present them to everywhere, everything he could. He was he was there to help us in the war. So. We also want to say one last rest in peace to Oscar. He is one of Eugene's and George George's friends um, who passed away in prison, and they say that he went to FCI in the sky. Please, everyone, please help us in prohibition so that nobody else has to die. The prisoners can come home to their families and that they don't have to die in prison. Um, so I hope you guys got a lot out of the show and um, I hope everybody has a beautiful day. Mindy and Eugene, is there anything else that you guys would like to say um, before before we hit the end button on the show? No, thank you very much, Kristen, Eugene. Great show today. Thanks, Mindy. Thank you for you, and thank you for everything you do. What about you, Eugene? Is there anything else you'd like to say before uh, we end the show? Just, just this. Uh, I want to thank all my brothers and sisters out there for their support and for being part of the movement. Uh, First of all, I want to thank especially uh, Christian and Mindy for the show and my 
opportunity to be with these lovely ladies. I want to thank people like Sherry and Amy and Stephanie and uh, so many people out there that do so much to stop all of this madness. George Maturano, my good friend, for spending the time now after release to come on. Craig, for who he is and what he does. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for everything. You are the good of America, the good part of America. Thank you. Thank you, Eugene. So are you. Um, You guys, we're going to play a song. um, It's called No More War by Cushite. And I just happen to like this song um, because it says no more war. Check it out. And thank you for listening. Here we go. I just hold back to bring us to war. I don't know why you brought us to war. Can't figure out why you brought us to war. I don't know why you brought us to war. Like hitting raid says, man, it ain't a sport. Got these evil politicians contorting the truth. And these wicked ass witches according to you to tell you the truth. Man, I can't hack this. I'm losing my patience like a damn malpractice. 2012 and they still manifesting destiny. With military industry complex style weaponry. Depriving heads of righteous men while sipping on their Hennessy. CIA means coke in America, apparently. It's been a narco-plutocracy since the 70s. Corporations profiteering, domineering everything. Radio, press, news, and the media. You better learn to discern from the bullshit that they're feeding you. Like GMOs from Monsanto. Ringing alarms at family farms so man can't grow. Extinction, 
if you don't get it. The country surrounding Israel, the holy land is now being in W.O. committed. The war is spiritual, but through the mind, the actions is how they get it. Or should I take the strap? They say it's oil, but it's deeper than that. It's just more smoke to my mirror, so I radiate more hope clearer. Shed tears for my peers, cause judgment day gets nearer. So I exercise mightier than the sword. Use the pen to paint the lines with conscious mind the world can explore. So maybe you can find out why and bring us the war. The most powerful thing is the thought that it's made of men.